From CoLab and MIT, this is Here There Be Dragons. I'm Jess Myers. For this show, I spoke to seven New York natives from all over the city about safety and identity. The episodes that follow are their stories and experiences. This episode's theme is Harlem. In this episode, we'll hear from... My name is Justin Steele. Well, my name's Carmen Chong. Hi, my name's Stephanie Castillo. My name is Sean. Harlem is one of the most famous neighborhoods in the city, and one of the most talked about, too. For some New Yorkers, it represents a mecca of Black American culture and history, while to others, it is a dangerous neighborhood with a reputation for violence. It is a place that offers relief and welcome to some, and profound anxiety to others. The next voice you'll hear is Justin's. My name is Justin Steele. I'm 37 years old. I'm from the Upper West Side, West 89th Street, and I am a professor. I think um, there is a general sense that, I don't know exactly, I can't pinpoint where this came from, but I think there was a general sense that, you know, as you move north into Harlem, that um, there was a perception that that was less safe. But what is it about Harlem that is so feared? Who considered it dangerous? My name's Carmen Chong. I am 24 years old, and I grew up in the Lower East Side of New York, uh, about five minutes outside of uh, Chinatown. And currently, I'm a first-year master's student at uh, MIT, studying urban planning. In terms of spaces that my parents told me to not go to, I think it was just kind of implied that I wouldn't really go all the way up to Harlem. It was kind of common knowledge that uh, the neighborhood can be unsafe if you're there late. It was, it was, it was not really something that was explicitly stated. Well, I guess in my family, like Asian fam, well Chinese families at least I know, oftentimes have. Uh, strong stereotypes against African Americans. Uh, recently, I had an aunt visiting from China, and she stayed with us for like six months. And um, even in all the way in China, they have stereotypes about what African Americans in the United States were like. So within, I think the Chinese community, there's always a fear of um, of African Americans. While Stephanie had more experience with Harlem than Carmen did, she still carried with her the caution she had learned growing up in the Bronx, and would often tense up around familiar warning signs. Hi, my name is Stephanie Castillo. Um, I am 23 years old. I grew up in the Hunts Point neighborhood of the South Bronx, but I currently live in Co-op City, and um, I am a community organizer and also a writer some parts of Harlem like not too long ago I was meeting up with a friend and I got off on like 155th but on the C train and like there's like a lot of projects in that area and I was like holy shit this looks like the South Bronx in like the 90s like and I was trying (laughs) I thought that I could walk to like Broadway yeah to I think it was to Broadway that I was trying to get to from but there's like this big park that blocks it and I was like, oh, and I like felt it. Like my heart started like pulsating. Like, you know, there was like this big group of guys like in front of this deli. This one guy, like as I turned the corner, starts following me. And like, it it just produced a lot of anxiety. And like, even though I didn't want to look stupid walking back to the train, cause like I got on the wrong train. I was like, I'm not about to just like 
stay here and wait it out when like I'm getting all these red flags of like I'm being followed repeatedly for two like corners um and it just didn't feel didn't feel safe at all even with a complicated reputation Harlem is deeply loved for Sean and Justin it offers a sense of belonging and homecoming I particularly remember reading James Baldwin and his experience of Harlem um, and that made me even more curious about what is um, what is the character of this neighborhood that comes across so vividly in his in his writing and what is it like now and um, so I did start to walk uh, around Harlem a lot and I started um, um, going to Riverside Church uh, in Morningside Heights and I would often walk there uh, up further east through Harlem and then go west over to Riverside Drive where the church is just to um, try and understand better I think what what the neighborhood was like what people's experiences were as, as best I could um, and I guess it's funny now that I think about but it is a Sunday morning because I'm sure I was somewhat dressed up in this kind of relatively young white kid all dressed up wandering through Harlem but I think on a Sunday morning you know lots of people in Harlem are going to church so there's that uh, there's that commonality I think I don't know why but I think just from the reading the things that I was reading and especially James Baldwin but other other authors as well reading um, Langston Hughes reading um, other authors from the Harlem Renaissance Nella Larson I think learning some about the um, civil rights history reading Malcolm X's autobiography um, and just the way in which so much was centered in Harlem always gave Harlem a very um, powerful place in my mind about um, as, a, as a crucial part of New York, as such an essential part of the United States, as this um, crucible of black cultural production, um, uh, African-American political engagement, um, the, the Schomburg Center, 125th Street, 135th Street. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any place to me that had that same, that same deep meaning and therefore also to me the same excitement to be independent and to be on my own and to have the chance to experience that a little bit, to go to the Schomburg, to go to the Studio Museum in Harlem. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, to, to walk up and down Lenox Avenue and up and down 125th Street to, to um, experience the booksellers on 125th Street and the incense sellers on 125th Street. Um, that, 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 that there was something very special about that. Like Justin, Sean also felt the magnetic pull of Harlem's history and significance. As a child, he would sneak out to explore it. My name is Sean. I'm 23 years old. I'm partially raised in the uptown part of the Bronx, Gun Hill Road area. I'm a business rotational associate at Google. I remember um, taking the two train all the way from Gun Hill Road down to 125th um, in Harlem. And I remember stopping at the Apollo. I remember seeing it on TV. Um, and without my father there, it was interesting because before he took us there, me and my sister there, um, just to show you know where he grew up. But then going there by myself, I really got to see um, you know the intricacies of what Harlem was um, without his kind of guidance there. 
it was it was beautiful. I mean, I saw black people. Um, not, I saw black people in the Bronx too, but it was. I felt very different in Harlem. I felt like it was more like a mecca of sense at that time. Um, I saw people like selling beads on a corner and selling all these fragrances um, and garments. And that's not what we usually saw in the Bronx. So it was like a different world in a lot of ways. When he moved into Harlem after college, Sean had to contend with the ways his identity as a black queer man would both affirm and deny his sense of safety. I definitely feel like Harlem is still that safe haven. I feel like 145th down to 116th, I just feel like I'm always seeing people who had similar experiences to me. But I'm also seeing, this is something that I've been struggling with as well um, for a long time is, a lot of times, I, even though I'm very pro-black, a lot of times I don't feel safe around black people. So I think the presence of white people here has also kind of made me feel safe in a way, where I'm shocked I'm saying that, um, but it's, it's, it's real. Like I feel that because more white people have moved to Harlem, there are more things like more bars, more restaurants that are coming to Harlem. Um, things that I've been socialized into, you know, enjoying. Um, so that I feel like those things make me feel safe. Um, like I never really feel like I need to wash my back on the street. Um, I think that it definitely has to be majority black to me still, but it has to be a kind of certain kind of black for me too. Um, like I love, I love black people through you know every scope that you can imagine, but I feel that I connect most with black people who have been socialized in a certain way in terms of our you know, white professionals, white college professionals um, who've gone to college. Not saying those are the only types of friends that I have or the network that I have, but it definitely makes me more, um, more willing to start conversations with people. But I feel like also as a black gay man who lives in New York, like I'm also confronted with issues of homophobia, then issues with racism within the LGBTQ community, where I'm noticing a lot of white gay men from Chelsea have began, begun to move to Harlem. Um, and it's, there are a lot of self-hate issues within the black gay community when it comes to being educated and white, white collar professional, and they feel like they need to date white Asian men in order to move up. So I feel unsafe in that, in that aspect of things. Um, like I feel like I am still struggling to find my safe space as a black queer man, but as just if I separate queer, which is hard to do since it's a major part of who I am, I feel very much comfortable with just Harlem 
black professional. But for Sean, it's never as simple as black and white, queer and straight, safety and danger. His identity as it relates to Harlem has pushed him to process race and sexuality from many angles. I, I've walked down the street with holding the hand of another black man in Harlem. And I've heard a, a woman on the street say, y'all are a fine couple. Whereas, you know, there have been white people here who, you know, I've come into contact with, who I've had amazing discussions with about race, right? So it's a queer community as a whole, not really embracing those aspects and pulling those aspects out of our major black, uh, black folk who have done amazing things within the community um, and for America and the world in general, but it's also the black community in terms of us hushing down parts of our identity. Harlem's powerful history makes it an icon for blackness and black culture. Our feelings towards the neighborhood, inherited or learned, are also mixed with our feelings towards blackness. It can be fear and prejudice, or admiration and belonging, or in Sean's case, a complicated mix of the two. Harlem is such a uniquely American space that like a prism, it can refract our identities and upbringings and force us to acknowledge and work through the conflicts that arise between them. Thank you for listening. This has been Here There Be Dragons. I'm Jess Myers, a grad student at MIT's Department of Urban Studies and Planning. Each person I interviewed for this podcast also drew a map of their childhood and adulthood in the city. You can find a link to those in the show notes. If you've visited or lived in New York and want to share your experiences with me, download the base map, use the maps in our gallery as your guide, and draw your own experiences of safety and danger in the city, and I'll post those in the gallery. Send those to us at collabradio at mit.edu. Or you can record a comment or question about the episode by calling into 1-888-821-7563, extension 58258. Some of those might end up as a part of the final episode for the series. Music for Here There Be Dragons is written by New York-based trio Octopus 2000. Check out more of their music on Facebook and join us next episode to talk about the Bronx.